0: So why don't we go to 1 Samuel 16, can we go there? Uh, we're so grateful to Tracy and Phyllis, we love them, respect them, uh, we, we, we really appreciate their friendship, uh, they actually treat us like we know what we're doing, and uh, that makes us feel good, because <laughs> Sharon and I both know we don't know what we're doing, so uh, it's great to have people who treat you like you do know what you're doing. But uh, we have so many of you here. The Chambers used to be in our ministry. The Blairs who celebrated their 50th used to be in our ministry. Susie Decker, who doesn't even come home and say hi anymore, used to be in our ministry. Yeah, that's how it goes now with Susie. And Susie, she knows better. She used to eat my ribs all the time. I'd grow ribs and she would come and eat them now. She won't even, like, say hi when she comes into town. What is that? What are you doing to people up here? One Samuel sixteen. What's happening in our ministry in Chicago this year? We're focusing on something called the story, and uh, what we're looking at is uh, life from two perspectives as a Christian. One, we have this this story that this journey that we're living out here on earth, right? That we see the one that that you know we always see coming, but we see it, we experience it. The highs, the lows, the the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, all that stuff we experience here while on earth. But there's also an upper story that God has playing out that we don't always have the privilege of knowing or seeing. But it's actually playing out regardless of how we respond. And you'll say, no, that that, that doesn't work that way. Let's look at 1 Samuel 16 and we'll see how it does. 1 Samuel 16 verse 1 Says the Lord, said to Samuel, "How long will you mourn for Saul, since I rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king." Now, there's a couple of things happening here. You have to understand Samuel's position. At this point, Samuel's pretty bummed. And why is Samuel bummed? Well, Samuel anointed Saul as king. You remember this? You used to read prior to that, he anointed Saul as king. Well, Saul was a head taller than everybody else, but he was kind of this insecure guy. But he was anointed king, and then he rose to prominence and power as a king. But then he crashed and burned. Like, that happens sometimes. So Samuel appoints Saul, but Saul blows it. Samuel realized what has happened. Now, what's Samuel doing is he's actually thinking, he's mourning because I blew it. I anointed the king, and look what's happened. Look what's happened to him. He's blown it. Israelites are afraid. He just—he didn't listen to God's word. He's blown it. So Samuel is sitting there mourning. Now, God, through the scripture, gives us a chance to mourn. That's kind of obvious in this, or am I the only one that's speaking up on that? He kind of gives you a time to mourn. He said, how long will you mourn? He doesn't say, why are you mourning? He says, how long will you mourn? God gives us time to lick our wounds. You ever made a mistake? And you just kind of... You needed a little time to maybe reflect? Maybe you've learned something from it. Maybe you're looking at your life and how that turned out and going, what could I have done differently? You're trying to figure it out. But sometimes... We can go on and on from reflection to discouragement and in some cases depression. And see, and God, God says, I'll allow you time to lick your wounds and reflect on this, but I got this upper plan that I'm trying to get done. And you're a part of it. I know you've done a knucklehead thing in your mind, but I got a plan here and you're a part of it, so let's get going. Are you ready to go? See, Samuel wasn't totally ready to go. He was mourning. And let's face it, that's a big thing. I mean, the king has blown it in the kingdom. I mean, that's a a huge deal. But really, what God says, look, I've rejected that guy. I've chosen one of Jesse's sons to be king, so let's go over there. But Samuel needs a little encouragement. Samuel says in verse 2, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. So he's going from being a little discouraged about this mistake to being afraid for his life. Because, you know, Saul might, I don't know. Saul's kind of losing it at this point. But he's honest with God about what's going on, and here's what happens. As the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say... I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. That's interesting. Samuel told God the truth. Do you tell God the truth? See, when I pray, I tell God the truth. You know, I I don't go into my prayer. God, you're so awesome. You're the great and almighty. Alpha and Omega. You're so good. Those are not normally my prayers. My prayers are God. I'm really not liking this stuff today. See, you've gotten quiet. I don't know how you guys feel about that. It's like God. God, you know, I seem to be experiencing most of the issues. Why not Ron Cochran? Why is it always me? What is it, my wife's too spiritual to experience stuff? I mean, I'm honest with God in my prayers. I don't know about you. Because if I don't tell God the truth, who am I going to tell? You got to tell him. If you're mad at him, tell him. Now, you want to get over that after a while. But if you're mad at him, I think you should tell him because he probably already knows. It's kind of like I tell husbands with their wives. There's some good advice for the engaged, hu- engaged guys. Hey, look, uh-huh. your wife doesn't want, your wife is not interested in the fact that you've already thoroughly repented of the stuff that you got. What she really wants to know is that you're aware that there's a lot of stuff you still need to repent of. If they know that, they're usually pretty cool. <laughs> if I'm around my wife, like I got it all together, she knows, nah, I know he ain't got it all together. But I find, honey, I can't believe I'm still wrestling with that. And she's like, oh, okay, he still knows. <laughs> See, God already knows. He just wants to make sure you're aware. Uh-huh. But what happens when Samuel's honest with God that, hey, I don't want to go. That's what he's saying. I don't want to go because I'm going to die. You know Saul. He's messing up. What does God say? Okay, okay, okay. I can work with that. Here's what you do. Take a heifer with you, and when you get to town, say, hey, I've come here to do a sacrifice. See, God can work with our weaknesses, can he? You might want to write that down. God can work with our weaknesses. Because he was honest with God, and what happened? God gave him a little different way to get it done. God, gave, hey, You know what? I'll make this easy on him. At least he's being real with me and himself. I'll make it easy. We'll get it done. Just take the heifer with you and tell him you come in and do a sacrifice. But then you'll get this other stuff done for me. I think God's working with him. Don't you think? God has had to work with me every day of my Christian life because I constantly give him very little to work with (laughs) it's just because of who I am I know he's got at times I think God looks down at me and goes okay this is going to take some work (laughs) and that's kind of how I think but I'm okay with that because I look at myself and go yeah this is going to take some work And when you are there, then you have nothing to try to pretend about. Why pretend, man? We're a mess. We're at best a mess. But sometimes we try to act like we're something better. Man, we're just, we're dirt. We're dirt. You know that, right? We're just dirt. (laughs) Be okay with that. And then let God work with you. Here's the other thing. All right? Here's the other thing. We've got to be okay with not knowing the whole upper story. Because God says, okay, I'll work with you. Take a heifer. But when you get there, I'm going to tell you what to do. He didn't tell him what he was going to do. He said, when you get there. I'm going to tell you what to do. You might want to write that down. Be comfortable or not knowing the whole story. I like knowing the whole story. My wife occasionally will say to me something like, Hey, Darren, you know, you mind digging that area up over there? Like, why? No, I I just, I, I got some ideas. Can you dig that up over there? I want to know why I'm digging up dirt. I want to know why I'm going to grab a shovel and start digging something just to dig it. I want to know. Give me the end plan. Am I the only one? you, You get quiet. You make me think I'm the only one that struggles with this stuff. Honestly, I want to know the plan. So when God gives me a portion of the plan, I'm a little uncomfortable. But you know what? I'm not ready for the plan. Let me tell you this. If God would have told me before both our kids were born that neither one of them would be compliant and naturally obedient... If he would have told me that we would have had to fight the way we fought to raise our kids to become Christians, I probably would not have had kids. If I'd have known ahead of time. You know what I'm saying? It's a good thing I didn't know ahead of time. Because, you know, as they were growing up, I'd see other parents with their kids, their kids would just, come here, Johnny, Okay. And I'd say to my kid, hey, Carson. And he'd go the other direction. I was like, bro, I'll be back fellowship later, all right? But if I'd have known, I probably would have said, honey, no kids. God told me something, I don't want that. Isn't it good? I didn't know the plan. Now we have two amazing kids. Camille, who just graduated from University of Minnesota. She's an amazing young lady, amazing, beautiful, still single, not dating.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> Our son, Carson, graduated from high school. He's in his first year at community college up there. Just a soft-hearted, handsome young man. They both take, a- they both take after their mother. <laughs> I-, I just said it just to get it out there, but Tracy said you guys already knew that. They're both very bright, which they also get from their mother. But what I'm saying, if I had known the whole story, maybe I wouldn't have done what God wanted me to do. And these two very blessed young people would not have experienced the lives that they are experiencing right now. See, sometimes you just got to be okay with not knowing the whole story. And and that's okay because the upper story is playing out. Because you may be experiencing some stuff right here, down here, and like, but it's not going the way I planned. You know, God sometimes, I think, laughs at our plan. Cause yeah. our plan, well, God, I, I got my plan. God's like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that poor boy.
0: <laughs> but be okay with that. Verse 4. Samuel did what the Lord said. And he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked him, do you come in peace? Now think about this. Samuel was afraid. Thought Saul might kill him. He'd blown it, anointed a king who was blowing it over all Israel. All right? So let's just say he's got two strikes in his mind. He doesn't know the plan. In my mind, that's three strikes. In my mind, yet it opens up by simply saying, Samuel did what the Lord said. How good are you at that? It's tough sometimes to just do what God says, isn't it? Sometimes, man, in my mind, what God wants me to do is way too difficult. Simple in concept, way too difficult to actually do. Sometimes it is. When we were in the process of uh, being trained for the eldership, which I know a lot of you are laughing at right now. A lot of people, trust me, guys, the people that know us when we were dating in the first year of our marriage, they're going, he's an elder? Pff, what are they doing in Chicago?
1: <laughs>
0: Dave Thomason, be quiet. But I remember thinking, whoa, that's, God, that's way more than I am asking for. Because as a region leader and evangelist, we were already dealing with some very difficult situations that come up in your ministry. But the elders were always the guys that, the the stuff that was so difficult that made my head spin, and say, hey, you know what? You know who would be a good person to help you? (laughs) I, I'm going to, tell you what, I'm going to have you call one of the elders. Matter of fact, I'll call him myself.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, that, those, that's those guys. You know, that was way too difficult for me. And even the first year after we were appointed, along with Dwight and Barb Decker, Dwight and I were appointed on the same day. And uh, we, I think we both were scratching our heads like, man, what are we doing? And the first year was very challenging. But I think we just continue to let God show us what He wanted us to do. Continue to make the plan clearer, to open our eyes to what it is we're actually supposed to be doing. And I'm not saying it's getting easier, but it's making more sense now. God is at least, He's revealing to me all the years of bonehead things I did, and now he had to bring me through them. There was a reason that he was bringing me through them. So that I might be able to help some other people that are making some of the same decisions that I made as a younger disciple. But it's interesting, as Sammy walks into town, what, what, the, what do they say as he walks into town? Do you come in peace? I mean, they're afraid. Now, here's what's funny. They don't realize that Samuel's afraid. <laughs> so they're both afraid. <laughs> but you know, one of them's like, and Samuel, and here's how it goes. Listen to Samuel after this. After saying, you come in peace. tell me, reply yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Like, wait a minute, Samuel, you're scared. But he's speaking very confidently here. But we know he's scared, right? Because we know the story. We know that he is walking in the town afraid for his life. But he's obeying God. So much so that the people are afraid of him. See, here's the thing. You might want to write this down. (laughs) When you're afraid, the people in your way should actually be afraid. If you're obeying God, the people in your way should actually be afraid. See, here's what, Samuel just does it. you got to understand, we talked about, man, he's got some baggage he's carrying with him. Some hurts, some disappointments, some discouragement, in his mind, some mistakes. He's wrestling a little bit with his relationship with God, but he's being honest at least. He walks into town obeying God, and what happens? People are afraid that he's come because he's obeying God. See, but sometimes we let our insecurity play with us. We walk in and we start thinking, yeah, but I've blown it, I'm doing what you said, God, but I've blown it so often, how can you use me? See, our insecurity gets the better of us sometimes. It does. Sharon and I found this quote once. It reads, Our insecurity comes from looking at everybody else's highlight reel and comparing it to our behind-the-scenes. Think about that for a second. Because our behind-the-scenes is pretty messed up. In our minds, anyway. But I'm being honest. When I share with you about our kids, our kids, well, the chambers, they know our kids. We picked up our son from Kingdom Kids every Sunday, and every midweek for the first five years of his life, and except one time, he got a bad report. You may think I'm exaggerating, honey. Am I exaggerating? You may think, all oh, the preachers, they exaggerate. No, ask my wife. Because when I picked him up, I thought they were joking with me. Oh, he was incredible today. Come on. <laughs> What's going on? So my behind-the-scenes were, it's awful, man. We were getting help in every kind of way, and then we figured out what was going on with him. You know, he had a, a, a ADHD. and We didn't know until so he was old enough to be diagnosed. But, man, it, it was a challenging thing to hear preachers talk about how awesome their kids were. And then once you got to know him, it's like, man... Yeah, they're doing okay now, but let me tell you some of the stuff that happened before. But see, that's what happens to us with our insecurity. We hear the great stories and all the victories and we see the end result, but you know, we don't often know what goes on behind the scenes, so we get a little more discouraged when in reality we just got to keep fighting because the problem's in our way. Our problems should be afraid of us. Because we're not going to quit. Because there's an upper story that includes you. It includes you. God wants to use you. Not the person sitting next to you. He has a role for you to play. Not the other person, but you and only you. Only Samuel was going to do what God asked him to do. It was Samuel's role to go and anoint the next king. Now, you may be thinking, as I close out here, you may be thinking, yeah, but it's been a long time. I think I'm still, you know, working through the, the morning or whatever, and God still hasn't made it clear what he's doing with me yet. Or think about David, who he eventually anointed as the next king. Think about it. David wasn't even invited to the party. David wasn't even invited to the anointing. Yet, he was anointed king. Maybe that's you, you're small in your own eyes. David's own dad didn't see any kingly characteristics in him. So much so that he didn't even invite him to come as Samuel was selecting the next king. Imagine that being you. Your own dad didn't even think you had enough. (laughs) That's pretty significant. And even when he was anointed, you know what David's first job was as king? You guys remember this? Saul, remember, Saul, the Holy Spirit had been taken from Saul, right? And then what would happen is this evil spirit would come on Saul, and then, you know, music would calm him down. Somebody would play the lyre, and it would calm him down, right? So... Somebody found out that David played the liar, so they brought him in. So, what was David's first job after being anointed king? He was the Bible's first DJ. (laughs) (laughs) Right? He played the music that soothed Saul's soul. Imagine that. First job as king, what is it? Okay. (laughs) Okay. And then that kind of went south from time to time because remember Saul chucked a couple of spears at him. (laughs) From the time David was anointed king till the time David actually became the role of king was 14 years. Let me ask you. You've been struggling with something for a month? Have you had a tough time for a month? Maybe a couple weeks. Maybe a week it has been tough. Maybe a day? Maybe just this morning it's been a rough morning. God's upper story is so much more powerful than that. Sometimes we quit... Before the story's done, sure you've had some tough times. Who hasn't? Who hasn't had tough times? I've been yelled at by Christians, I've had curlers thrown at me. I won't say by who. I went through years of wondering how bad a parents must we be that our kids are the way they are. And then other people telling us, yep, you're just bad parents. But we knew God's story wasn't done with us. If we just kept fighting and winning God's upper story would eventually play out in our lives. You've taken some hits? Man, welcome to the club. We're happy to have you. You're now a member of an elite club called Christians. Brothers and sisters, we're so grateful to be here with you. We love you, we love you, love you. Thank you for listening.